Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. Take your Bible and turn to uh, Galatians chapter 6, and we will be there in just a moment. Uh, We started a new series last week entitled Seriously Serving. The uh, prompting, I think, of the Holy Spirit for us to do this, at least in my heart, was uh, I'm afraid in light of everything that's been taking place in the past year, in the past months, that we've had a tendency to scale back from serving other people because of social distancing and serving the Lord as we should. So I thought we need to take a few weeks and focus upon us really being serious about uh, serving uh, the Lord. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> yep. I will trip on it where he left it if I don't move it. Okay. All of you that are watching online, yes, things do go weird sometimes. So anyway, um, but the theme verse for this series is, is found in 1 John 3.18. I'm not preaching that verse uh, today, but it says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in truth. And guys, that's what our world needs right now, uh, especially when everything's been taking place. They need us to be real. They don't need us to be fake. They don't need us just to communicate love by our words, but we need to prove it by our deeds and what we do. That's what this world needs. They need to see us authentically loving them and sharing the gospel with them. Um, Today, we're going to talk about sowing the right crop. And our main text is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. Uh, And we'll read that in just a second. But I want you to have your Bible available because we're going to look at verse 1 through 6, kind of leading in uh, to verse 7 through 10. So if you would stand with me in honor of God's Word just for a moment as we read these, uh, these verses. Galatians 6, verse 7 through 10, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. For the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'm going to ask you guys to be seated real quick, but I want, I'm going to ask somebody to lead us in prayer before we go any further uh, in the message. Jeff, would you, Jeff Taylor, would you lead us in prayer, please?
Testament. Now, Paul doesn't mention the word so until you get down to verse 7. But I want you to look with me at verse 1 through 6 and see how what he is speaking about really leads in to this discussion of sowing. In verse 1, he says, Brothers, if anyone is called in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So, guys, we're to be sowing into each other's lives. If someone falls, and we're all human, and believers do fall, amen, we're to try and restore them. But it says do so with gentleness. You might wonder, what is that about? Well, maybe it's about this. We're not perfect. You and I may fall ourselves, and we need somebody to treat us with gentleness down the road, amen, instead of being harsh with us. And then he kind of goes on, gives us a warning, and he says, you know, keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. So while you're trying to help somebody else that's fallen into some type of temptation or sin, be careful that you don't get pulled into it yourself as you're trying to help them. Then in verse 2, he says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That That's part of us sowing to each other. We need to bear each other's burdens. You need to bear mine. I need to bear yours, vice versa. We need to be willing to bear each other's burdens. And it says, doing so is fulfilling the law of Christ, which is to love one another, which I'll read a little bit later in the service. Then he says this in verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something, and let me stop right there. No one here has ever met anybody that thought they were something, have you? I didn't think so. Uh, but let's keep reading. And he says, if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Now, the way that's structured might not come across with the right type of message in your ears, but what he's basically saying is this. You need to be involved in, your, in ministry yourself. Don't just rejoice in what somebody else is doing and act like you did it. <laughs> Instead, you need to have your own ministry because look what he says right after that. For each one will have to bear his own load. Not burden, we're to bear each other's burden, but everybody, every Christian is supposed to bear part of the load of ministry. We all have our work to do. We all have our sowing to do. And then verse 6, he's kind of talking about giving financially or supporting somebody that's teaching you the Word. He says, let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. And then he's going to go into sowing. Don't separate verse 6 from everything that's said from verse 7 through 10. Because guys, as he talks about supporting someone that's teaching the Word, more or less he's saying this, we, we can invest in ministry and thus invest in eternity, or we can invest in temporal things that'll just be wasted. And that's what he goes on to talk about in, in the rest of those verses. We're supposed to be involved in sowing the right crop. We're supposed to sow the right kind of seeds. As Christians, we're supposed to be sowing the right kind of crop spiritually. I'm going to be using farming as an illustration some in this message. Some of you are thinking, I have no idea what farming is all about. Some of you know a whole lot about it, maybe more than you ever wanted to know about it, uh, to be honest with you, if your parents made you go out and uh, work in the fields and all. But a, a farmer, when he plants crops, he's doing it for himself and his own family. But if he's doing it in a big way, he's doing it to feed others, to benefit others also. That's the way we ought to view Sowing spiritually. God, we're to sow in a way that benefits us, but we're to sow in a way that benefits others. And I want you to notice three principles that I think the Apostle Paul gives us under divine inspiration that's found in verse 7 through 
verse 10 to help us focus on sowing the right crop. Principle number one is just this, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. That, that's a, a principle taught in the Bible. That, that's a principle in life. I mean, we're going to see here in the Bible that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. But look at verse 7 and 8 again. Let me just read it to where we've got it fresh in our mind. He says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So I want you to notice three things in those two verses. First of all, notice a dangerous deception. And the way that's phrased when he says, do not be deceived, the tense of it in the Greek means this. Some of these Galatians were already being deceived. Maybe they were being deceived by thinking, well, if I act like I'm doing ministry, God won't really know that I'm not doing ministry. If I act like I'm somebody when I'm nobody and I'm just kind of celebrating what other people are doing instead of what I'm really doing, maybe God won't really notice. Or maybe if I'm giving, investing all that I am, my finances, my time, my talents, if I'm investing just in worldly things, but I'm acting like I'm investing in eternal things, then maybe God won't notice. Because he said, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Don't be deceived means don't don't roam from the truth. Evidently, they thought, we can do some things to get away with it and God won't notice, like they were mocking God. And it says God is not mocked, it, 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 it talking about the snout is just what the word literally means. Some of us have big ones, some of us have little ones, you know. <laughs> but the thought is this, don't be thumbing your nose at God. Don't be acting like you can do one thing and then just thumb your nose at God and get away with it. Because God is not going to be mocked. Because whatever you're really sowing, that's what you're going to reap, no matter what you pretend that you're doing. What you know is a natural law also in this passage of Scripture, in these verses. Second part of verse 7 says, For whatever one sows, he'll also reap. Sow means extending the arm, like you're scattering seed. You're investing. It can also be used to talk about utilizing or investing in something. Whatever you're investing in, that's the kind of crop you're going to reap. What you sow, you're going to reap. Guys, that's a basic principle. That's a natural principle that God established even in creation. If you talk about farming, whatever it is you put in the ground, that's what you're going to get. You plant corn, if a farmer goes out and plant corn, guess what's going to grow up? He's going to get corn. He's not going to get wheat if he goes out and plants corn in the ground. If he goes out and plants wheat in the ground, he's not going to have pumpkins pop up out in the ground. That's not what's going to happen. If he goes out and plants tomato seeds or tomato, tomato plants out uh, there in the, in the field, he's not going to have marijuana grow up. And you go tell that to the judge if you think there'll be an excuse for you. Judge Honest, I was planting tomato plants out there. I don't know how in the world it became marijuana plants and everything like that. And the judge is going to say, did you know it was marijuana plants after it grew up? Oh, yeah, I knew it was marijuana plants after it grew up. And the judge is going to convict you on your own testimony. What you put in the ground, the, the point I'm just trying to make, guys, what you put in the ground, what you plant, that's what's going to grow up from a farming standpoint. But that's not just true in farming. It's true in finances. Well, you invest your finances in, that's kind of what you're going to reap or what you're going to lose the reward from. That's true in relationships. What you put into relationships will greatly affect what you get out of the relationship. 
If you've got a best friend and behind that best friend's back, you're gossiping about that best friend all the time, you're, you're not going to get what you want out of the relationship. If you want a good relationship out of your spouse, you, you need to be investing in the right way in your spouse. If you want a good relationship in your family or with your children or with your parents, you need to be investing in, in that to get the right kind of results out of it because it's a natural law. Whatever you put into it, it's kind of what you're going to get out of it. So honestly, what kind of seeds are we sowing? Are we sowing temporal seeds? Are we sowing worldly type seeds in the world? Are we sowing things that's going to last for eternity? Third thing I want you to notice in those two verses is a cause and effect. That, that simply means if you do this, this is going to happen. As a result of you doing this, this is what's going to result. This is what's going to take place. Look at verse 8. The one who sows to his own flesh... Will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. A actions result with consequences. If you do this, this is going to happen. You might compute it like this. Whatever we practice as the core values in our life, in other words, what's really, really important to your life, what's the core values in your life, that's going to kind of dictate the direction your life goes. So that's why we need to be sure that we're sowing the right thing because whatever we sow in our life, it's going to be what we reap from our life. He said if you, if you sow to the flesh, and the word flesh there, guys, isn't really talking about our, our, our skin. It's talking about the fallen nature of man. If you sow to your carnal part, and by the way, all of us still have that. If you know Christ is your Savior, that doesn't mean the old man's still not around. That doesn't mean there's not this part of your life that maybe you're not giving over to the Lord. So if, you, if you're sowing in the wrong direction in your life, if you're sowing to the flesh, if you're sowing to worldly things, then what you're going to reap from that, what you're going to harvest from that, is going to be corruption. Now, now some people look at that and think, all right, that means if I'm sowing evil, I'm going to get evil back. Well, it can mean that, but, but I don't think that's exactly the point that the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit's making here. Because the word corruption means decay or something is swiveling away or something is withering. Here's the point that I think he's making. If we are investing just in worldly endeavors, if all I do is what I like, if all I do is my hobbies, if I invest all my money and my time and my talents in worldly endeavors, one day it's going to rust away, swivel away, wither away, because one day this world is going to disappear. All the time we put in the worldly pursuits that we think are so important, not going to matter one bit in eternity because one day it's going to be gone if you're just investing in worldly pursuits. But that's why he goes on and says, but on the other hand, if you invest in the Spirit, if you're investing in the things God wants you to invest in, if you're investing in the spiritual part of life, and he says you're going to reap eternal life, I don't even think he's talking about salvation there. Of course, if we trust Christ as our Savior, we're going to reap salvation. But he's not talking about works. He's not saying do good in order that you might be saved. We're going to talk more about doing good in just a moment. He, he's saying this. Here's the, the big picture of it, I think. If we're just investing in worldly things, one well, day it's not going to matter because it's going to wither away and be gone. But if we're investing in eternal things, that's what's going to last. 
If we're investing in the things that God wants to invest in, if we're investing in the things of the Spirit, then it will reap something for all eternity. It will reap life for all eternity. It is what's being said in that passage of Scripture. That's why we need to ask ourselves, what are we sowing? How are we sowing? Are we sowing just to the, to the flesh, or are we sowing to God's purposes that will last forever? See, Jesus taught us the importance of investing our time and utilizing our resources wisely for the kingdom. He said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That's why we need to ask ourselves, where am I investing? Because if, if your heart is leading you to invest in the wrong direction, you're going to get the wrong thing out of it. But if you're investing in, in eternal things, then it's going to be something that will last, things of the, of the Spirit. You know what I think would help us if every Christian would do this? If every Christian would look at our finances, our resources, our time, our talents, our spiritual gifts, if we look at it like seeds, like seeds. In other words, if you plant all those things in the world... The Bible teaches this world's going to be gone one day. Be burned up in a fervent heat. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. All the stuff that you maybe really, really like that you spend so much time with, it's going to be gone one day. It won't last. It won't matter. It's kind of like the picture of a hearse, you know, pulling a U-Haul behind it. You don't get to take all your toys to heaven with you. No matter how much you think you want to. So if you're just investing in the world, it's not going to last. That's why we need to ask ourselves, where are we really sowing our seeds? And if you're sowing your, your finances, in your time, in your talents, in your spiritual gifts, in worldly things, one day it will be gone. But if we are investing our finances, in our time, in our resources, in our talents, in our spiritual gifts, in eternal things, in things of the Spirit, they will last forever. That's, that's the main point that, that the Apostle Paul is, is, is making here. Guys, we need to sow bountifully so we can reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes these words. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. In other words, if you want really, really small reward when you get to heaven, just do a little bit now. Or if you want large reward when you get to heaven, you need to sow bountifully because you will reap bountifully. Look at principle number two. The first one is just sowing and reaping. Principle number two, we're going to talk about cultivating and reaping because you, if you're going back to the farming illustration, you, you have to cultivate what it is that you're growing. You have to care for it. Verse nine says this, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. When he said don't grow weary, it means don't, Fail in your heart. Don't faint. Don't become weak. In doing good. Doing good in the Greek means in the widest sense possible. Guys, God wants us in the greatest amount we possibly can to do good. He said, don't grow weary in doing good. Because in due season, we'll reap. In due season, there'll be a harvest. In a proper time, at a set occasion, 
If we'll keep on serving God and serving others, if we'll be investing in the things of the Spirit instead of the things of the world, in due season, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Interesting word if we don't give up. You know what the most basic meaning is? Relax. You know what I'm afraid we're doing sometimes? I'm afraid sometimes we're relaxing while our neighbors go to hell. We're relaxing while our culture nosedives. Instead of us standing for Christ as we should. Instead of us serving God as we should. We're spending all of our time investing in worldly endeavors instead of investing in, in, in spiritual things. And we're just resting when we ought to be fully engaged, when we ought to be trying to reach others. We, we need to be doing all we can to try and serve Christ and, and try and serve other people, try and reach other people. We don't need to give up. We don't need to, to relax. Think about a farmer cultivating his crops for a minute. If he were to function like some believers do, a farmer, when he's cultivating his crops to start with, he has to do the hard work of breaking up the, the fallow ground, breaking up the hard ground. He has to break it up, and then he has to go through, and he has to put the seed in after he breaks it up. And after he puts the seed in, he can't make it grow. All he can do is kind of, by faith, he's planting the seed, hoping that it will grow. He can't make it grow. That's something that God, I think, even causes the seed to germinate because God has to provide the sunshine and, and, and other elements. If it's a really, really dry season, if he needs to, he can water it. He can try and irrigate it in some way. And, and then if weeds start growing up, the weeds are going to suck the nitrous from the plants all around it. So you have to take time to get the weeds out so the plants can grow all the stronger and healthy that's been planted. And then after it does start growing up, there comes a time that he actually has to go out in the field and do the work of harvesting what is there. All of that's hard work. And if a farmer were to do like a lot of believers do, the harvest would never take place. Because too often, I'm afraid, we'll think, Man, that person's heart's too hard. I've been trying to work on that hard heart, but it, it doesn't seem to be doing any good. Or I've been trying to serve Christ like this, and I don't see the benefit from it. I don't see anything happening. And if a farmer just did all that work, and then he kind of stayed at home, and he thought, yeah, I see everything's ready out there in the fields, but you know what? I, I think I'm just going to stay at home and relax. All the work that he put into that field is going to go to waste. And there won't be a harvest. And as Christians, if we don't do the hard work of sowing the seed, guys, we're supposed to be sowing the gospel. We're supposed to be sowing seeds of service. We're supposed to be making investment in people's lives. We're supposed to be trying to cultivate people's lives for Christ. And if we are just sowing in temporal things that won't last, that will disappear, that will be gone then it won't matter. It's like a harvest won't take place. But on the other hand, if we're investing all that we are, our time, our talents, our finances, into serving God and serving others and reaching others, trying to plant the gospel into their lives, he says there's a harvest that will take place in due time. And we may not see the due time. We may not understand exactly when the harvest happens because 
There might not be instant results in the harvest. You don't have instant results in the farmer's work. The farmer can't go out and, and, and plant some seed out there and, and, and he's decided to plant corn and uh, stand there and wait for the stalk to grow up so he can pick the ears of corn, take it home, feed his family. Doesn't happen instantaneously. He, he can't plant watermelon seed out there and stand and wait for this nice, big, red, juicy watermelon to grow so he can cut it and enjoy it. Am I making you hungry yet today? doesn't happen instantly just like that. The farmer can't go out and plant tomato plants and stand there with a loaf of bread and mayonnaise just waiting for it to grow so he can go ahead and eat it. It takes time for it to grow. And guys, the point I'm just trying to make from that, I'm trying to be intentionally a little bit silly, is this. You may not see the results of your labor. You may and you may not, but it may be when we get to heaven before we see the impact that maybe we've made in someone's life. There can be someone that was so hard-hearted that I mentioned a moment ago, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, and you kind of got to the point you just wanted to give up when we're told we can't afford to give up. Because we're dealing with people's eternity, guys. We can't afford to give up. The person you thought maybe you never reached, they might trust your Christ, your Savior. You just didn't know it. And one day you'll see it. We, we won't see the full impact maybe till later. But, but still, we, we can't give up just because we're not seeing the full impact. Because it says in due season, a harvest will occur. God promises us through Paul's writing that the harvest will come. We will reap in due season if we don't give up. What's the application for us? Maybe that difficult child, if you're involved in children's ministry, if you're not, maybe you ought to be. Maybe that difficult child in children's ministry that drives you crazy on Sunday morning that makes you want to quit and give up. I want to remind you of something. That child has an eternal soul. You can't afford to give up on that child. That wayward youth, that wayward young person that all of a sudden has just diverted off into the world and you kind of think, well, you know, no need to try and deal with them anymore. They've just gone out in the world. Guys, they, they have a soul that Jesus died for. We, we can't just give up. We, we need to still be praying for them. The family member that you have or the neighbor that you have or the coworker that you have that you've been trying to reach for the gospel, you've been trying to sow into their life and it just seems like it's so hard and you don't see any results taking place in you and you want to give up. It's too important to give up. Their eternal destiny is at stake. You can't afford to give up. We have to keep working and keep serving and keep sowing Gospel seeds into people's lives, hoping to see results, even if we don't see them one day until we get to heaven. Third thing I want you to see is this. Principle number three is in verse 10, and it's serving and reaping, serving and reaping. You might be thinking, a servant don't have nothing to do with farming. That's right. I've been using a farming illustration all morning, but we're really talking about people's lives. I'm not talking about planting vegetables. We're talking about sowing, investing in people's lives with the gospel. Verse 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. When he writes, as we have opportunity, it means as you hold or possess an occasion, a set time, an opportune time. You've heard some of the men in the past and some of the women in the past talk about Kairos prison ministry. The word Kairos is the word that's used here. It's talking about an opportune time, a set time. God gives us opportune times. We need to be sure we don't miss those opportune times because He has opportune times for us to reach people, to sow into people's lives. He says, let us do good to everyone. It even means to view it like it's your occupation, that you're going to try and do good. That which is beneficial to everyone. That's exactly what the word means. All, every, the whole. We're to do good to everyone. Especially to those that are of the household of faith, those other believers. Now, since we're talking about people's lives, sowing into their lives, cultivating their lives, serving them for the sake of Christ and the gospel, we need to understand there are opportunities all around us. If you don't believe there are opportunities to sow into people's lives and to share the gospel in this day and time, you're not looking. And he used the phrase, everyone. So guys, that kind of leads me to think this. If we're to do good to everyone, that means there's opportunities everywhere for us to try and sow into people's lives. Whether it be where you work at, or when you're at the marketplace, or in the community you live in, even when you're here at church, we've got opportunities to sow into people's lives. We have opportune times we need to be sure we don't miss. You ever missed an opportune time? I have. You know what I found out? You can't get them back most of the time. I was pastoring in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. A few years ago, I preached a message and had the picture of the man on the screen. His wife came to church every Sunday. He didn't. He wasn't a believer. And I had been in the home, and I had tried to share the gospel with him. And I had on my heart, you know what, I need to get back over there. I need to do it again. And then I get a call one night that the ambulance was at his house, and I get there in his house in time to watch him die in the living room floor. Thinking, I missed an opportune time. You've been going down the road and you see someone hitchhiking and you kind of think, oh, I don't need to do that. I need to go on. Not safe to do that anymore. And it's true. So a lot of you don't need to do that. But when I pass a lot of times, the Holy Spirit will remind me, you used to be a law enforcement officer. What do you mean you can't go back and pick that person up? And I've argued with the Holy Spirit before and going down the road and the Holy Spirit keep on dealing with me where I have to turn and go look for him and then I can't find them. I miss maybe an opportune time. As we have opportunity, we need to do good to everyone. Because everyone means people that are like us and people that aren't like us. People that are really different than we are. It includes people that like us and people that don't like us, and maybe people we don't really like. By the way, Jesus told us, Matthew 5, 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. 
or to even love our enemies. Take opportune time to love them. That's one of my things. Well, you don't know how they've been. You don't know where they're treating me. Preacher, they don't deserve it. Can I suggest something to you? You didn't deserve it either. And I didn't deserve it. Do you deserve what Jesus did for you on the cross? Do I deserve what Jesus did for me on the cross? I think all of us will say, no, we didn't deserve it. We weren't worthy of it, but He did it anyway. Guess what? We're supposed to do good to everyone. No matter who they are, what they've done. Apostle Paul, if he was to be coming before a search committee in a church, they would turn him down in an instant after he gave his resume of everything he'd been through. (laughs) So we're to do good to everyone. But then it says, especially to those of the household of faith. I guess let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean we're to be an inward-focused clique or a club. And all we do is focus inwardly. We don't do anything out there. That's not what that means. I can disprove it in the verse we just looked at. He already said everyone. Amen? Everyone. Do good to everyone. Then he says, especially to the household of faith. You know what I think he's meaning there, the reason he points that out. In that day and time, Christians were being persecuted. They needed each other to do good toward each other, to encourage each other. Guys, I'm not trying to be a prophet, but I'll tell you something. If we don't have revival in our land, you know, the church doesn't stand up and be the church and start sharing the gospel, there's going to be persecution of Christians right in America. It's already started in some ways. That's why we need to encourage each other. We need to encourage each other so we don't stop doing good. We need to keep doing good. When you're facing persecution, go through problems, you, you kind of want to stop, but we need to encourage each other. That's why we're focusing on each other, encouraging each other, loving each other, doing good to each other. Because we need to remind ourselves, hey, we, we're to do good out there too. And maybe here's the main reason that the Holy Spirit included that in this text about being doing good to everyone, and especially to the household of faith. If the lost world does not see believers in the church authentically loving each other, they don't want what we say we have. If all they see in a church is split and splintering and fussing and fighting and denominations accusing each other and fighting back and forth, that's all they see. They don't want what we have. That's why we need to authentically do good to everyone, especially to those that are of the, the household of faith, other believers. Jesus said, by this you'll know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. The authentic badge of us being real Christians is not how big of a Bible we carry or how we cut our hair or the clothes we wear. It's not going out on the street corner and holding your going to hell signs and screaming at people in the middle of an event. 
I've been to a couple of events before, one in Hickory before where some, a group was doing that, and one in Morgan before, and I about lost it myself, and I wanted to go up and slap them in a Jesus kind of way. The way we're going to convince the world that we're real is if we love each other and prove to them that we, that we are loving each other. I'm going to give you a quote, and then I'm going to close. The quote's from a Christian author and pastor, John Stott, from years ago. And he said this, The correct attitude toward other people is not, I'm better than you and I'll prove it. Or, you're better than me and I resent it. Instead, he's saying our attitude ought to be this, You are a person of importance in your own right because God made you in His own image and Christ died for you. And it is my joy and privilege to serve you. Guys, that's the way we're to view others. The same Jesus that died for you died for them. The same God that allowed them to have breath in their lungs and come into this world allowed you to. And because God valued them enough to put His Son on the cross, we ought to value them and count it a privilege to serve them and love them and sow into their life. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we, uh, when we become so worldly focused that we're invested in things that will not last and will not matter for eternity. Father, help us as Christians to view all the resources You've given us like seeds. Seeds that we can plant toward eternity. God, help us to be eternal-minded, not temporal-minded. Help us to understand if we just invest in this world, one day it's going to be gone and we would have wasted all the seed that we spent time investing in the world. Father, help us understand that we need to be sowing for You, not sowing to the flesh. We need to be sowing to spiritual things, things that will last. God, help us to do good toward everyone, even the person that's so difficult for us to do good toward. God, help us to show Your love to everyone. Help us to sow into the lives of others. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray right now they would feel you sowing into their life. That they'd understand you love them so supremely you put your Son on a cross for their sins. Father, give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus and then give them the desire to go out into this world and sow into the lives of others. Cultivate the lives of others. Serve the lives of others. So we can reap a harvest one day. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Something I didn't allude to in the message because it really wasn't fully what the message was about, but part of the message was about this. Today's also our Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. We started out the service today with uh, 50 bottles across the stage. Right now we have four. 
And the reason that fits the message, we're told in the Scriptures to do good to everyone. That includes the preborn. It's a person. It's not a fetus. The Bible says God wrote down their description in His book before they were ever conceived. And God has plans for their lives. So the message today is also about abortion and about life. So there's only four bottles up here. We had a video we were going to show you. We couldn't get it to work out this morning that the Caldwell County Crisis Pregnancy Center, there's three now. <laughs> fine if you come while I'm talking, that's fine. But we couldn't get the video to work out because we couldn't get it to post right. Somebody sent it to us yesterday. But in the video, it said you can give online. So don't go away and say, well, everybody took the bottles before you got to this service. That's a great thing. But you can go online to their website and you can give there. We're asking you to bring the bottles back on Mother's Day. And they'll go help support the ministry that they do with pregnant women, pregnant young girls. Hopefully to keep that baby alive. Because God has a purpose for that baby. But He has a purpose for everyone too. Amen? That's why we need to do good to everyone. Why we need to sow to everyone. Please stand. I'm going to suggest during this time you maybe make a commitment to give online to the Pregnancy Center to fight each other over the last bottle that's up here at the front. But especially make a commitment, not just this week, guys, but as you come every week, that you're going out there to sow into the lives of others, to make an eternal difference in the lives of others, to cultivate and serve the lives of others. Father, use this time right now for your glory, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.